The term uh, constructive discharge feels like something Gwyneth Paltrow might say or you might read on Goop, um, but it's actually a way that companies treat employees, especially in times of crisis or times that need cost-cutting. So what I did here was I brought my friend Catherine on to discuss some of her layoff experiences, termination experiences, and what exactly that term constructive discharge means. All right, let's get to it. Well, the one that I haven't heard many people talking about is constructive discharge. What the hell is that? I don't so even know what that is. So constructive discharge is basically they want to fire you and they can't. So they just make it so horrible that no reasonable person would not think their health was at risk. Oh, so it's like the yeah. how to how to lose a guy in 10 days. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Oh. And it tends to happen when the reason it tends to happen in my experience, but also in other experiences that I've heard about. Um, the reason that it tends to happen is because um, the reason you can't fire somebody, the reason it's difficult to fire somebody is because they're in some sort of protected class. Um, like, and it's really easy to fall into a protective class. And it's yep. even easier once you fall into, once you turn 40. Now you're in a, a protected class because over 40 is considered an older worker. Right. Um, but if you fall into more than one, um, that's when they have a really, it takes forever to fire you. Yep. Um, they have to get like a year's worth of documentation. They don't want yeah. to do that. They want you gone. You're my, um, <laughs> my, my girlfriend works for the county that we live in, right? Mm-hmm. She's an ADA. Mm-hmm. And somebody else in that office left or took like a law firm job. So she does a lot of employment law stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I won't give like specific examples to limit, you know, her getting in trouble if oh, anybody course. listens to it. But I will say that to your point, there are a lot of people that even run divisions um, within that county who will be like, they'll come to her or like other lawyers within the department and be like, Hey, um, I want this person out because somebody showed me like a Facebook post that they made. Right. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, um, that on face is not really a justification for firing or there needs to be more like of a paper trail. Like mm-hmm. most states in the U.S. are at will now, so you don't really mm-hmm. have to tell somebody why they got fired or whatever. Right. But um, she tells me at least two to three times a month, like somebody just bull rushes legal and is like, hey, I want to get this person out now. And it's like, no, that's not really like how the process works, you know? Really? So, so, if we do it your way, we might get right for sure (laughs) and i think they've been i mean obviously it's like a bigger county i think that they have been oh i know which county it is because i'm pretty sure i'm in the county next door oh yeah yeah so i think it's like uh i think it's like 
I, you know, I'm sure they get countersued and stuff, but it's like, I've had, I've had bosses where like, I was at uh, ESPN from, mm-hmm. that's like the longest place I've ever been. So I was there for like, like seven years or something, but I had a, I had a transition to a new boss at some point within there. And mm-hmm. like, he just like really liked this one kid on the team he inherited and then kind of like disliked the rest of us almost like by default. Uh-huh. And it was really weird and like hard to navigate as a relationship and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he like put a bunch of us on like performance improvement plans, but like you could tell he was just like trying to get us out. So yeah. a bunch of us kind of like started looking for other jobs. But what's the term you used again? Like what was it? I constructive. It's called constructive discharge, and it's yeah. enough of a thing that like if you were to apply for unemployment, you could actually get unemployment for it. Oh, really? Yeah. So. I, yeah. I know that I I um I have talked to the Texas Workforce Commission, and it's a thing. You yeah. can make a case for it. It, sometimes it's hard, but you can make a case for it. They will investigate it. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. I, the, like, when you first said it, I thought of that, like, Gwyneth Paltrow, like, conscious uncoupling thing, right? That was yeah. my first jump. But then it's I'm like... conscious uncoupling if you call War of the Roses conscious uncoupling. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so... Okay, so in your uh, in your career arc today, um, how I mean, how many times have you been through not that specifically, but like layoffs in general? Oh my uh, God! Every time I get a job, I get laid off somehow. I'm always that employee that runs crossways with the wrong person. Yeah, and I don't mean to. I'm just. Um, you, I've know, usually, you never know what's going to set some people off. Yeah, man. And the, the thing is, is like, I think as I've gotten older, it's like, I care broadly less about it. Like, as long as I'm generally like kind of doing okay on uh, income or whatever, which like goes up and down, but I kind of mm-hmm. care broadly less about it. But it's like, I think I probably have a better radar for like the type of person that I'm going to just fucking not have a positive um, boss type dynamic with. Right. Cause like right. just people that take work like super seriously or like be all end all, like I've never, even when I was young and impressionable and like wanted to make an uh, impact or rise up at some place, like I never thought that way. Right. Um, so I don't, I I mean, it's a way to keep my roof over my head and it's a professional job because I thought it would be nice to earn an actual living wage since my parents were kind enough to put me through college, you know? Yeah, for sure. (laughs) And I think it's like, I'm just like, uh, um, yeah, I I just, I feel like people that are really into like the virtuous side of work and like always talking about like how much they work or like putting themselves on the cross about like stuff they've done or been asked to do or develop or whatever. I never have good relationships with those people, you know? No, because you always have something that's more important to you that work than work that's going on. I mean, I do too. I have, I have two children and you know, I, 
Um, sometimes I feel like I'm not even supposed to mention that I have children. I can remember like this, the kiss of death for me. I always had this curse. I swear it was a curse. Anytime I would put a picture of my kids on my desk, I would be fired uh, within six months. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Do you think that's just, um, do you think that's just like a function of like guys kind of having like too much authority at work and there's these like preconceived notions about like women who have become mothers or do you think it's just like myopia or what's your like what's your pathway on why you think that uh, correlation kept happening I mean I think it's a combination of things I think that there's there's definitely something to what you just said although I haven't experienced a whole ton of that Right. Um, I, honestly, I find that once somebody wants me out, that's when they start doing overtly sexist things. And I'm like, right. well, that was a full move. Now I can report you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, now, now you just made it even harder to fire me. Um, but I also think like some of the some of the worst tangles I've been in were with female bosses and leaders. Um, yeah. And they have children of their own, but they don't yeah. take into account that not everybody, not every parent's life is set up the way that every that you know, the same way, and not you know, we don't all get the same kids, and we certainly don't all have the same spouses. Right. And uh, you know, I don't have a spouse anymore. I have a, a boyfriend, but you know, like, um, you know, if your life isn't set up, if you don't have a really, really involved, significant other, it's hard. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I mean, it's hard anyway, but it's it's like so needlessly hard when you don't have that support. Yeah, I agree a thousand percent, and I think there's a lot of apples and oranges uh, comparisons about like the intersection of like women and work motherhood and work and i agree like the partners are not created equal you know the men in that in those cases are not created equal or like same-sex partnership whatever mm -hmm. your pathway is so that's a huge deal mm -hmm. the workplaces are not created equal like how perceptive or able to deal with like uh, changes in schedule and context for a person the management class is that's not created equal you know right and like money and compensation stuff's not created equal which is a big deal too like i have a i have a kid i went to high school with who works at facebook now and i think for a while like i chat with him sometimes not a lot but i think for a while he actually directly reported to Cheryl Sandberg because he's like pretty high up on the legal side mm -hmm. and he was even like man I, I, I'm obviously I'm not saying his name so I don't think I'll get anybody in trouble but he was even like okay the thing is is like all the stuff she writes and talks about with like feminism and like leaning in and stuff is like okay she has like she's an involved mother and I wouldn't, he's like, I wouldn't criticize her for that. But like, she also has a fleet of people and a bunch of money that she can fall back on if she has to do something work related, that's urgent or whatever. Right. So the situation she can afford to pay her village, I can't afford right. to pay my village. Right. So the situations are not created equal. Right. So what would you, um, 
Okay, have you... I was asking somebody this yesterday. Have you been in, like, a revenue layoff, like a downsizing versus, like, a termination? And how would you say those are contextually different? Because I feel like I've been in one of each, and then I had another that was kind of, like, mid midway between those two. Mm-hmm. Like... I would have gotten fired anyway, but they were, like, starting layoffs. I was, like, an easy first-round person. Right. I would say, like, in all honesty, I've heard some stories, like, of people who felt like, oh, man, my my organization handled this real nicely and empathetically. Like, I had a lady in Chicago who, like, her boss was in another state, and it wasn't far away, but her boss, like, flew in on the day that uh, she was laid off and like had lunch with her, went through the process and then flew back to wherever she was based um, later that day. And like, that's a cool story, but I kind of feel like that's not normative. I feel like most of it is like, like low context bullshit when this stuff happens. So I don't know if you've ever had like even a semi positive empathetic type experience whenever you've been let go from someplace or is there like a one that stands out as like almost positive or no so the most positive layoff i've ever had well, uh-huh. and i have to preface it with the last two times i was laid off it was an excuse okay yeah and i actually and i'm not gonna name the company that did it to me but um the first time it happened, it was after this birth of my second child. Uh. They had been trying to get rid of me ever since I came back from maternity leave. And I had been playing my cards because right. you know, that's illegal. And I, um, you know, so it was, it became a cat and mouse game. And, uh, um, and it, but it was, it was truly an excuse. And I actually won a settlement. Um because even the EEOC said, yeah, that stinks pretty bad. That's right. rotten in Denmark. And, um, uh, and, and then the last time it happened, it was just a boss who wanted to get rid of me. And again, I was in a protected class, so he invented a layoff. And I probably could have sued for that one, but I was kind of exhausted and I didn't like that job anyway. Right. Um, and so, you know, and I found another one pretty quickly. Okay, but that's always good positive experience I had and this is the most positive experience I had with a layoff situation was really pretty weird um I was called into my boss's office and she was the vice president of marketing we had a great relationship we still talk um and she was in tears as soon as I sat down and I knew what was going on because the VP of HR was sitting there too and she just started to cry and just apologizing all over the place. And I just hate this for you. And I'm like thinking I, at the time I was like 28 and like, I'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like she was more upset than I was, but I was still pretty upset about it. I really loved the job and, um, and I made really, it was the best money I'd ever made at that point. And you know, so it was scary and it was upsetting. And the the vice president of HR kind of took over and he was somebody I pissed off. I just said the wrong thing because right. you know, 20, I, I don't know. I was younger than that. I was 20. I might have been 25. Mm. Um, and, you know, when you're when you're in your 20s, you just say stupid shit. And yeah, totally. 
Honestly, um, that, for some people, that goes into, like, your 70s, you know? Um, but, and I might be one of those people, too. I've said yeah. my share of stupid shit. But, oh, for sure. Um, Same here. And I, and I think it comes along with being a writer, too. You throw stuff out there to see what sticks. And yeah, you know, that's I like... Uh, I don't think that's n- stuck. <laughs> not to... Yeah, for sure. Not uh, not to even, like, rabbit hole it or, or uh, tangent it too much, but, like... I feel like the same, I feel the same way viscerally sometimes where like, I will literally sometimes just do stuff to see like what people's like temperature or reactions to it is, right? And there are people that get so triggered or like, just like go on these rants about something that you're doing just to kind of like almost as a social experiment, right? Mm -hmm. So the counter to that crying boss story is I had one maybe like a year or two ago where the dude did a, um, like you kind of sometimes know in a company setting when you're going to get laid off, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And the dude, like my boss sat like 10 feet from me and one day on like a Monday late morning, he invited me to this meeting on a Friday morning at like 8 a.m. But the meeting had no like subject line. Oh, that's a context. Right. Okay. So as soon as he sent the invite, I was like at my computer and I saw it pop up and I looked over and he was like hastily like getting his shit ready and like leaving for the day, even though it was like 11 a.m. <laughs> right. So I see him, like, race out of there, and then, like, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, so the intervening days, he works from home, so he's not physically there, right? (laughs) So then, like, literally, I think I was, like, already living with my girlfriend at the time. Okay, so, like, I, I remember I was getting ready on Friday morning. And she, like, wanted me to do something over lunch. And I even remember being like, man, I'm going to be free at 8.30. Like, <laughs> you know? And she's like, no, don't say that. And then literally, like, at 8.12, I was free, right? Um, <laughs> but that's, like, a long – it was a long way of saying, like, so in that one, he didn't make any eye contact. So it's kind of like the inverse of the crying one, right? So he didn't make any eye contact, but – one thing was he was like, oh, um, you're like too insubordinate sometimes, right? And this, I, like, I did another, I taped another thing with somebody once where we had like a long rabbit hole about this. But like, mm-hmm. I don't think if you like propose ways to like improve a process or improve content or whatever, like, I don't think that can be defined as insubordinate if it's in the best interest of the company, like making more money or serving people or whatever. Right now, granted how you present it is a big deal. And like, I'm probably not always good at that, but I think to call somebody insubordinate for trying to make a place better is not, Mm -hmm. is not cool. And obviously it's like not, a justification for firing. It's like he just no. threw that in there, right? But no, insubordinate is code for I don't like this person. They threaten me, right. and I think that's really at the heart of it. To be honest with you, is um, 
I am someone who seems to always people uh, these people that I run crossways with are almost always people who are really insecure right just super insecure and I'm not right we all have our insecurities but like I'm pretty okay with how I look. I'm right. very okay with the level of talent and professionalism I have to offer. I have a lot of confidence. Right. And I, I'm also not, I'm like you, I'm not a ladder climber. It's like, right. I can be here forever. I don't care. Right. It just doesn't mean that much to me. I'm it's just a means, it's a means to an end is really what it is, you know. Right. More and than anything. I think those people who worship at the temple of busy as, as you've, uh, you know, to right. quote you personally, right. um, those people are people who like, they have not, I don't know, maybe they have nothing else going on and right. they feel inadequate because I got a lot going on and I'm still doing a good job. Right. For sure. And I mean, I think like people that are like kind of virtue signalers or whatever are going to would listen to, people like us talk and be like, Oh, they're like, they're using that as a defense mechanism. But Mm -hmm. I like a hundred, I a hundred percent agree with what you're saying. Also in the context of like, man, I told this story with somebody else, but I was on a contract once with like a learning company, like a LMS Mm -hmm. and the two executives there, they had funding. So it's all like fake money. They had like Silicon Valley funding, right? So they could kind of like fuck around with stuff if they wanted. Mm-hmm. And their big idea was like they were pitching uh, targets or whatever, saying like, okay, we're going to democratize learning. We're going to make learning free. And I was on this like agency contract. So the agency wanted to get more work from these guys because they had Silicon Valley money. So like everybody on my side of the equation was like nodding and smiling and saying like, yeah, that's great. And we got like four meetings into this deal. And I think in one meeting I was like, Hey, here's the problem. It's like, you have a lot of like 47 year old, 51 year old men that come to run these divisions of companies, right? That you're trying to sell to. Mm -hmm. And like a lot of these men, they like that maybe their kids are getting to the age where they're like talking back more. They're being annoying. Like a lot of them, like their relationship with their spouse is like different or soured or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's like physically, emotionally, spiritually, whatever, intellectually. Mm -hmm. And like, the only source of relevance these guys have is that they control a small pocket of a company. Right. Right. And so like, you cannot, those guys do not want learning and knowledge democratized because then you like, you're taking stuff out of their inbox and their folders and their desktop that makes them relevant and like gives them life and professional security. Right. Right. And like, they don't respond to the message of like learning should be free because like that hurts them. Right. Mm -hmm. So I always just think about stuff like that. It's like, I just feel like there's a lot of people out there where their biggest source of relevance is coming from um, this sliver of work that they control. Right. Mm -hmm. And those are people that, uh, people like you are probably always going to run sideways with, you know? 
Well, it's just not how I measure my dick. Right. And when, right. I mean, what do you do with an employee who doesn't measure their dick the same way? Right. And I don't, honestly, I don't even think we have an answer for that. You no. Know? Yeah. Like I don't, I would, I would give, uh, I would give a Nobel prize in economics or whatever to someone <laughs> that knew how to, uh, I would give a Nobel Prize in economics to someone that knew how to deal with different modalities of measuring one's dick. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess you could just cut my work out for me then, because I really want a Nobel Prize for something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so what... Okay, so if you were giving advice to employers, both on the, like, don't be sketchy legally... Um, side and the like you know communicate effectively don't be an asshole side what are some bigger buckets of things you would um, you would tell them to do when they're dealing with terminating someone or laying someone off for revenue or whatever so if they're just laying them off for revenue that's pretty straightforward and most adults are not gonna go nuts about it they're gonna accept it and they're gonna sign their severance agreement and they're going to be out of your hair. Um, just, you know, I mean, really, literally, just don't be a dick. It's, yes. You know, make it about what it's about. And, you know, I'm real sorry, but we're really happy with the job that you did while you were here, even if that's a little bit of a lie. Um, and we'll provide a good reference, you know, even if you even if they weren't the best employee and you don't have the nicest things to say about them, just help them out. You know, if it really is a revenue thing. Keep it about a revenue thing and treat them like they, their service meant something to you. That's all. And it doesn't, you don't have to go overboard. You don't have to be like, you know, I don't know if you ever watched the show Cheers, but there was a whole episode about uh, Norm having to fire people and he was so good at it that they, like, you know, he made, he empathized so much that, um, that people made, put him in charge of firing everyone. And, you know, then in the end, you know, oh, I becomes, remember that one. You remember that? And he becomes totally yeah, desensitized yeah. to it and the tears are faked and everybody gets mad at him and he gets fired for being the firing guy. Um, you know, so you don't have to do that. You don't have to go like you don't have to sit there and cry in their beer with them. You you just I mean, and I guess it also you have to take it in the context of what your personal relationship was with that person. If you're the person who supervised them for seven years and yeah. you had a good relationship and you like went to each other's kids' baptisms and bar mitzvahs and stuff. That's yeah. a very different way to you that you're going to have a different situation that you're going to, they're going to trust you more. And there's going to be an expectation, a little bit of a heads up, even though you're not supposed to. Um, they, they're going to expect that from you and they're going to feel betrayed if they don't get it. 100%. Um, the context and of the relationship is crucial, man, you know? That, yeah, exactly. Just respect the context of the, of the relationship and make it about whatever it's about. People are, people are adults and they can handle stuff. Um, but, you know, the other side of it is don't just literally all you have to do is not be a dick. Just, just treat it like it's somebody you treat that person, treat the situation with dignity and treat the person with the dignity you would want shown to your mother if somebody were firing your mother, because that's someone's mother or father or sister, brother, whatever. 
that's somebody who belongs to somebody. And when you think about all the people that you belong to or who belong to you, how would you want them treated? I mean, literally, it's just a golden rule thing. It's not hard. It's not.